and welcome to the Banker podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, exploring how the financial services industry is coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, the Banker's editors are interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practice and innovation that can help banks and their customers manage during these difficult times. I'm Marie Kemplay, the Banker's Investment Banking and Capital Markets Editor, and in this podcast, I'm joined by Gareth Coltman, Global Head of Trading Automation at Market Access, a leading electronic trading platform for fixed income markets. Thanks so much for joining me, Gareth. Um, firstly, for any of our listeners who, who aren't perhaps familiar with Market Access, can you give us a, a quick intro to, to what it is and, and what it does? I wanted to start just by acknowledging how difficult the last couple of months have been for everybody in fixed income markets, both in terms of the pandemic itself and its human impact, but also because of the extreme market volatility is created. Just to explain a little bit about who market access are, we're the world's largest uh, institutional electronic bond trading marketplace. Um, so we help investor clients and dealing banks connect to each other and trade a variety of fixed income instruments electronically. Uh, we've been doing that for 20 years. Uh, we have over 1,700 active clients globally at the moment. And I think amazingly, since the beginning of March, as people started to work from home, our client service teams have helped to arrange remote access for over 10,000 users on the platform. Quite uniquely, we're able to help clients and banks find liquidity without having to have existing relationships with each other. Um, and they can do that by using open trading, which is an all-to-all trading network. And that's been really critical for our participants over the last couple of months. And I think also because of the, the size of the network we have and our post-trade business as well, we're able to offer some quite unique data products uh, to our clients at the time when understanding what's happening in the market is obviously vitally important. And I guess from your perspective, you've got access to a lot, a lot of um, market data there. Um, can you give us an overview of the activity you've been seeing on the platform these last few weeks and what kind of trends have been playing out? There's definitely been a few clear trends emerging. Uh, we've seen a very extreme market volatility uh, with large dislocations and price swings. We've seen bid ask spreads widen dramatically and clients really struggling to find liquidity from their traditional liquidity providers and sources. I think it's been different to the 2008 crisis, though, and unlike that crisis, what we've seen is trading activity in the market as a whole, and particularly on market access and electronic trading platforms, has significantly risen, and demand for liquidity has risen along with it. Um, it's obviously a very different situation from 2008, uh, but I think that part of the reason that we've been able to sustain such an increase in trading activity is because of how accessible the market has, has been. Um, and that's obviously through electronic trading platforms like ours and the availability uh, of alternative liquidity sources, much of it through open trading. And we've also seen a significant increase in appetite for information relating to market trends and data. So one of the things that we've started to do is capture all of our unique data and insights and send it out in a daily access point email to our clients to summarize what's happening for them. And you spoke there about dealing with a kind of higher volume of trading activity on the platform. Has dealing with that volume of activity, you know, in the current climate thrown up any um, operational challenges for you, especially given the constraints that we're all kind of operating under at the moment? It's obviously been a challenge for everybody, uh, but it's actually been a very successful transition for us. We learned quickly from offices in Singapore and Hong Kong. They've been remote working out there for over two months. So we were ready to switch to a completely virtual working from home environment when the time came. Um, we'd prepared for more than a month in the offices here uh, and in New York. So we were very ready when the time came to switch over. And as I mentioned earlier, our, our client services team 
have been working to give clients remote access uh, and making sure that they have unbroken market connectivity. And we've seen a significant increase in trading activity, as we talked about, but therefore also a very significant increase in data traffic. But we've been very pleased that the platforms remain totally resilient and reliable throughout that process. Our post-trade business as well has been very busy processing over a quarter of a billion transactions in March. That's a massive increase on our usual market volumes. I think it's fair to say that this is the first time since the financial crisis that we've really seen markets under this level of stress. And perhaps it's also the first time that we've seen this scenario playing out in an era where there is widespread electronic and algorithmic trading. I think sometimes concerns are raised about the way markets are structured now with those increased levels of automation and that that can exacerbate levels of volatility by amplifying trends and also the speed at which things are happening. What's your view on that? I think that's a really interesting topic. I think it's important to differentiate fixed income markets here from exchange driven markets. Obviously, in exchange driven markets, equities and derivatives markets, automation and particularly algorithms are usually associated with high frequency trading, um, which has been seen as a contributing factor uh, to volatility in those markets. Whereas fixed income remains largely an RFQ driven market um, and overall with you know, fewer tra transactions. So automation for our clients is really about creating efficiencies and creating cost saving in their workflow. And we've seen automation continue over, over the recent months. We built controls to protect clients into our automation technology from the get-go. And what we found is that during the recent volatility, um, these protections have engaged and basic clients were able to step in and let the human trader make the decision. And that's ultimately exactly how it was designed to work. And I think being highly appreciated by our clients. But I think in the long run, ultimately, the cost pressure on clients is only going to continue to increase given market conditions. So I think we're going to continue uh, to see a rapidly increasing rate of adoption. And you've spoken already about the importance of liquidity in these times and sticking with the topic of volatility. Clearly, one of the biggest drivers of volatility in markets is a lack of liquidity. And post-crisis, banks are not really able to perform that same market-making role as they were in the past. In this context, what role can platforms such as yours play in creating um, market liquidity? Fundamentally, uh, market access sees electronic trading about connecting clients, and that is to help clients maximize the opportunity to find liquidity at the best possible price available. And what happened in this crisis is that people became physically disconnected from each other, but market access was able to help by keeping people plugged into that network and, and connected to each other. So. I think we as a trading platform also have a very important role in creating transparency in the market. So there is obviously regulatory transparency depending on which region you're talking about, but we are lucky enough to have some quite unique data based on the network that we have. And we've been working really hard to provide that data and analytics back to the client and keep them informed at this pretty difficult time in the market. So for example, we have a product called CP Plus, which is a pricing, a pricing data uh, product. And we've, distributed that out to clients to help them understand um, where the market sees a particular bond at any given time. And I think in fast moving markets, clients really desperately need this kind of information in order to access the market in a confident way. I think open trading is a fantastic example of, uh, of providing extra liquidity to clients. So open trading allows all kinds of market participants to interact in whatever way currently suits their needs. And that's regardless of what their traditional role might have been or whether they have any existing relationship with each other. So just as an example, we might connect a European investor looking to sell bonds 
to uh, an Asian investor who's looking to buy at this particular time, or even allow a, a bank to manage their risk uh, by selling a bond to an ETF participant. Um, and we've obviously seen open trading activity increasing dramatically in recent weeks, and I think that's clear why. Interestingly, I think this is exactly what we built open trading for, which was to connect markets which would otherwise be fragmented, be that you know, traditionally by geography, uh, or in this case, simply by the nature of the fact that everybody is having to work from home in these kind of conditions. Great. Thanks so much for sharing your views and experiences with us today, Gareth. And that's all for this podcast. But listeners can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast. And follow our discussions at thebanker.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.